This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Let's do the show, folks. Gum, gum, gum. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. So glad to have you on board. Back for another episode. And boy, do we have a great show for you lined up. Good times. Good times to be had here on the Star Wars Report podcast. Let's bring him in. My dear co-host, producer of the fine program, it's Mr. Bruce Gibson. Back once again. Dude, how's it going? For an absolutely second flawless episode. Uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> no, flawless. No. Every time, Every, perfect. Nailed it. I, I'm not blaming you, but ever since I, the timing of me tr- recording from a hotel room in Las Vegas and you coming back on the show both happened at the same time. And it could be the fact that there's really crappy Wi-Fi here or the fact that uh, it, a whole list of factors of me moving all of my equipment when I'm trying to record on remote. But I'm just going to blame you. Uh, <laughs> although it's always my you fault. as a listener to the podcast, you don't even know the difference behind the scenes. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> if people knew behind the scenes, they would stop listening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe they listen to maybe that'd be more entertaining that'd be a more interesting the, the behind the scenes is more entertaining than the show mm. absolutely 100 percent. certainly a lot sure. more passion a lot more riley swearing Lots at, the, of passion. at the internet uh, but no this is episode 387 of the star Wars report podcast we got a lot to talk about coming up later in the program we have the fine folks behind a musical about star wars or why star wars is the greatest thing in the galaxy much much better than star trek that's oh, the actual that's a terrible title. Name. An off-Broadway musical about Star Wars. And I'd never heard of this, but Bruce, you stumbled across this from your day job. You heard about it. Yes. I work with someone at my day job, and she uh, used to be an actress. And, you know, well, I guess she, once you're an actor, you're always an actor. It's like a Let Marine, right? Oh. Yeah. So, but she, you know, she was in New York. She did Broadway and all this stuff. And she knew the guy that started a musical about Star Wars. Mm, nice. And then she said, oh, well, you know about it, right? Because you do a Star Wars podcast. And I was like, no, I, I never heard of it. She's like, well, you can't be that good because <laughs> why didn't you know? I'm like, I know. Why don't I know about this? This has been going on since like uh, March or April. How come we didn't know about this off-Broadway musical about Star Wars? I know. Well, we got to know a lot more about it, and you will too, coming up later in the program. But first, we have some news. We have something to report. It's a pleasure I have the news. Data brought to us by the Botham Spies. can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. Hey, another update to Galaxy's Edge. Uh, the opening dates for Rise of the Resistance. It's official, Bruce. We have the dates. Um, and here's the interesting thing. Now, of course, the, the lead headline coming from Disney is, hey, look at this really cool cinematic poster we did Ooh. announcing the opening dates, cause for celebration. The headline behind the headline is, in an interesting twist of events, 
even though the Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland is opening and is open months before the one at Disney World, uh, Rise of the Resistance is still going to open at Disney World sooner than Disneyland, meaning what? it's pretty freaking far behind. Um, what? Official date. What? The official dates are December 5th for Disney World, January 17th. For Disneyland, which makes me reasonably confident um, there's some um, behind-the-scenes issues with production. Well, yeah, well, they did say it would be, what, winter or late 2019. Mm. So we're on track with Disney World with December 5th. That's late 2019. Mm. But Disneyland, the one that opened first... Mm-hmm. Is until January? What's going on? There? The FedEx well, guy must have like delivered to the wrong location. <laughs> probably, probably that's how it works. Well, um, this poster is pretty cool. It is a very kind of uh, Drew Struzan like uh, theatrical poster. You got Kylo Ren looking super menacing up front with all of the uh, first order troopers, and then a little uh, peek of the. I mean, you can kind of see it's all on Batu there, and it's, so it's a pretty cool look, and and it is nice to see, but it is. I mean, it just kind of plays into that narrative that um, Galaxy's Edge, it, well, I mean, by matter of fact, wasn't fully ready to open in time, but because they wanted to, uh, they wanted to hit those summer months, then uh, it, then they needed to get it open for at least for Disneyland, and then now now for the case of the uh, the fall and winter months in Disney World, they want to capture that season anticipating much larger crowds which is funny because of all the recent headlines talking about how freaking quiet it is there oh it's a ghost town <laughs> i mean that's not what you said last week but you were there you no, were talking last about a week, if no one listened to last week you should i'm telling you don't listen to youtube that park had people that's not a ghost town it's not light there's people there mm, yeah yeah it's i mean i think it's fair to say attendance is down but it's not like it's not barren but I think it's reflective of the fact that that what that Rise of the Resistance wasn't open. I think it would have been if they had waited. There would have been even more anticipation, and if they had the full attractions ready to go, I could see it being a bigger crowd. But they wanted to get it open in time. In fact, that's what I was reading some of the behind-the-scenes stuff on Smuggler's Run, that it was originally going to be a bit more complex of an experience, but they found that it was too complex, like it wasn't fun. And they simplified the control system for the Millennium Falcon a lot to make it more of a fun experience. However, what also could have been a part of that is that they wanted the ride to be ready. So maybe they simplified the design of the ride a little bit uh, to make sure it's open in time. Um, because that's So one, do you think they're still working on Smuggler's Run? Like there's more to it? I think Smuggler's Run is built to be iterative, just like... Uh, Star Tours was, where they can add scenes and change up the missions, and they could even completely overhaul the Hondo aspect of it, and you know just insert, say, a puffer pig. Oh gosh, sure, a sentient puffer pig that uh that, that takes control. <laughs> How old is Hondo? If he's around, he's in ancient, the... right? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he's got to be at least sixty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, January seventeenth in Disneyland, so it will not be open. Which I thought it would be. I was banking on this when I go down for the Wine and Dine Half Marathon, which, you know, is a little disappointing. Now, when is that? Uh, that is November 3rd. Yeah, beginning of November, that first weekend. Yeah, see, and I so, would have thought it would have been open by then. Me too. I'm kind of bummed. Because I thought, 
I got the impression like it was going to open maybe two or three months after the actual park opened. Mm. And if it if that were the case, it would be in time. But I, I think this is really their centerpiece ride. It's the most ambitious ride by all accounts that Disney's ever undertaken with multiple layers and levels to it and a complete story experience that's actually pretty long. And so, like, I've, I've read some of the spoiler breakdowns of the construction, and it is pretty complex. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where that goes. So are um, we going kinda... on opening day, December 5th, to <laughs> yeah. Disney World? Of course. Actually, no, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going that well. I might. I mean, think about it. I might. I I'm in driving Florida distance. in December. Yeah. I mean, I'm in driving distance. I mean, by Texas right. standards, driving distance. It's like six and a half hours. Yeah, so. Scott Rifen, he's driving distance. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe I'll um just pick up Scott because I drive by his house on I-95 down the coast when I'm heading to Florida. So maybe I'll just make it, we'll, I will caravan down. You know, it's interesting that's a Thursday. Uh, is it really? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I have to look up my, my shift schedule because I'm on shift work, which would be kind of interesting to see like... um my weekends once uh once i'm oh, throughout the rest of the year aren't normal weekends this is far too to nobody's interested in hearing about riley's schedule and how he's going to figure out how to get there but i'm going to figure out how to get there with very soon uh really as soon as i can after it opens uh and i'll report back of course okay. on the podcast right here of course yes. uh, well speaking of rise the rise of skywalker see get it how was that was that ooh, a good one, a good one? It's, all, it's all right yeah. um <laughs> We have the Sith Trooper. They just made a made a big hullabaloo, if you will, uh, about this new trooper design that's debuting at San Diego Comic Con. In fact, um, <laughs> the Sith Trooper is going to be presented at San Diego Comic Con. That's this weekend in a variety of different merchandising options. There's going to be this entire um, display of trooper armor across the saga at the Lucas Pavilion, um, which is always pretty... I, I was at San Diego Comic-Con for the first time last year, and the Lucasfilm Pavilion is actually pretty cool. It's like its own miniature, tiny miniature convention hall inside of the convention hall. It's where the Del Rey booth is and where her universe and the top Star Wars guys... They're all there, and it's a lot of fun. That's kind oh, of where, so they keep that all together. It's just, it's yeah. just not intermingled throughout the convention. No, center. they don't, which is why it kind of becomes the hangout for all the Star Wars people at San Diego Comic-Con, oh. which is where I will be hanging out this weekend because I, uh, ha- I will be working with the Legal Geeks again. Last year, we did, of course, the smash hit uh, mock trial of Poe Dameron, of which I went and did production on. Um which is still blows my mind that Oscar Isaac saw a video I filmed and edited. But he definitely said he saw it. Maybe he just saw he pictures did. on his Twitter. But I, I like to think that he sat and watched the whole thing. And he only watched it because the editing job was so good. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, hey, uh, I'll, brief side jag to uh, I'm going to plug our uh, social media at Star Wars Report and at The Riley Guy on Twitter. And, of course, at The Riley Guy on Instagram. I will be posting all kinds of stuff at San Diego Comic-Con, so make sure you follow those. But I digress. Uh, The actual armor design is how I would describe it, Bruce, since this is an audio medium. I would say you take... Oops, I I messed up my microphone. There we go. Take the the design of Phase 3 trooper armor from Revenge of the Sith with the First Order trooper armor 
mm-hmm. and uh, and then add in the color scheme and texture of the Praetorian guards from the Last Jedi, and there you have the Sith trooper. That's how I would describe uh, the Sith trooper from. Uh, no, that's a good. Jedi. That's that's good. I can I can visualize it, even though I'm looking at a picture. The way you described <laughs> well, it. Well, thank you. I, I'm painting a oh, picture. I, Oh yes. Um, let me get your reaction, sir. Are, are you're you're not really though like a trooper design. I know some people are like super into the trooper designs, five hundred first, that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, no, I'm not like super into it. I mean, I'm not even in the five hundred first. Although I've seen plenty of five hundred first people, of course. But um, I mean, I uh, I don't know what the heck is a Sith trooper. What does that mean? That mm. they they have the powers of the Sith. Hmm. So I have a theory. Or they protect the Sith. I have a theory, sir. Oh. The problem with um with theorizing though is it it can get us into into trouble, into slight spoiler territory. That's true. Um, hey, we're, real quick though, re- remember that leaked poster? There was questions as to if it was authentic or not. Oh, that's nine. true. There were on the bottom of that, there were red troopers. And the question was, because we talked about on the show, there was like, is it because the red, are they white? And it's just, they have this red reflection from Kylo's uh, lightsaber on the poster, or are they actually red? This answers that question. It does. They are actually red. What's funny is you said that, and now I pulled it up because I was now, I was curious because now that means the elements from that poster have been confirmed. Yes, I would say. Which means, yeah, yeah, that it actually probably is a authentic leaked poster. And I think we assumed that would be like in toy stores or something. Like it's not the actual movie poster. Yeah, it does. It looks like a, or I mean, it looks like a promotional poster for the movie that you could buy at the, like the poster rack at Walmart. Right. Um, most significant. Well, hmm. <sighs> I can't. But you have a theory. I have a theory, and now I want to talk about the poster. So I'm just going to beg y'all's indulgence. This is speculative, speculative spoiler territory. But uh, but because of that, it's I gotta I gotta hit the panic button. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's like literally like uh, two or three minutes because for the people who skipped ahead, we want to honor that. Um, my theory is um, the Sith troopers are indeed a major part of the film because of the way they're in the poster and they're in this new San Diego Comic Con promotional material. And the reason is is because the Sith troopers are part of an underground um, movement implanted within the first order anticipating the return of palpatine and the rise of the sith because kylo ren and certainly snoke are just mere pretenders weaklings compared to the true power of the sith which is why with the return of palpatine he takes over in a general coup he takes over the first order reclaims the rightful rule of the sith over the evil galactic empire and uses the sith troopers to do so so wait could we see the Sith troopers fighting against the clone troopers? The uh, the First Order, yes, that's what I think. Civil, the First Order, civil yeah. war. Um, wow. Which also this confirms the Knights of Ren because the Knights of Ren, of Ren are in that poster too. That's true. Yeah. That's- so they're all fighting among each other, and then Ray and Finn and Poe are just sitting there, you know, <laughs> they just eating popcorn watching them. Exactly. Okay. Spoiler segment over. <laughs> 
I even built up to it <laughs> trying to fill time. For, all right. Um, so I, I just, I guess that's really the news for this week. It's crazy. Uh, but I do want to take a brief time out before we jump to the uh, interview that we've got for you guys uh, and tell you first about the people who make this podcast possible. And it's our fine supporters over at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. I'd like to encourage you to check out that URL. Just go to patreon.com slash Star Wars Report and, uh, and check out our offerings. We have the Tip Jar Jar for a dollar and the Rogue Transmissions for $5. Tip Jar Jar gets you access to every episode we've ever produced, all in a nice, convenient server that we send you to you in a link. And you get access to our uh, Facebook chat, our patron-only Facebook chat, which is a lot of fun talking about Star Wars. And then if you want to, you can jump up to the $5 for Rogue Transmissions, our weekly bonus podcast for things like Bruce complaining about uh, how senior picture- pictures are a uh, ripoff. They are. They are such Um, a ripoff. And my wife and I had another conversation this evening about it. um, Oh, boy. Oh, gosh. And you can hear it all in Rogue Transmissions. Some Star Wars, some not general life stuff. It's our our show before the show. Rogue Transmissions available exclusively at patreon.com slash Star Wars report. That again, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Star Wars report. It's worth a lot to me. As you wish. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, and Boba's Bounty. Let's do it. Each week we talk about something we've experienced or done in the world of Star Wars, and uh, that's Boba's Bounty. Bruce, what is your Boba's Bounty? Bruce's okay, Boba's is, Bounty. Th- this is Star Wars Light. Star because, Wars Because, you know, we were talking about Galaxy's Edge, and yeah. that's in Disneyland. Well, this is about Disneyland, and my mom was going through some things in her house, and it's funny because she always like gives me something that she finds of mine from back in the day, and she's like, oh, your father and I just cleaned out all this stuff, and we've got rid of everything. We found the last of your stuff, and every month she finds the last of my stuff, so she, <laughs> they're not really cleaning through everything, but nice. so now she gave me something, and you know, I just got back from Disneyland the previous week, and now, lo and behold, there is a passport the first time I went to Disneyland in 1983, and there's my ticket into Disneyland year, called Passport. Also happens to be the year Return of the Jedi came out. It so yeah, see? actually, it's, it's Star Wars related. I had seen it. Mm-hmm. No wait, it hadn't come out. But when I went to Disneyland, it hadn't come out yet. Oh, it was right before that. Gotcha. But anyway, guess how much the ticket was? This is an adult ticket. Mm. I was 15 at the time. I have an adult passport Mm. for a one-day pass into Disneyland 1983. How much would that be? All right. So inflation, just guesstimate. Right now it's like 130 with park hopper. So, But it's more like 100 for no park hopper. Inflation, I think that's going to take it down to about like 75 bucks, 70 bucks. But I also know that price has gone up a lot more. So I would say like 40 or 50 bucks. Okay. Yeah. You are not close. Um, 30 bucks. $11. What? $11. 11 and 38 cents? 11 dollars. $11, <laughs> $11 to get it. Not only that, but I have the pricing guide also mm-hmm. from that year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why my ticket was $11 because it says... Adult passports are 12 on the pricing guide, but this ticket says 11. So maybe it was a discount. Maybe it was like a weekday or something like that. But kids between the ages of 12 and 17 juniors were ten fifty for the day and $9 Ooh. for children uh, 3 and 11. 
Now, there's another thing on here. Instead of you could pay more, you could pay sixteen dollars, and you would get free. You would get admission to all the rides and everything, except for the shooting galleries. <laughs> and then what the heck? You would get. Uh, yeah, it says you know it says for all the passports it says includes unlimited use of attractions except shooting galleries. I guess it was those very must violent have been really, back in the day. Well, those must have been very popular. Actually, it's I think it's by Frontierland. Um, but mm. I don't know if they do that anymore. I saw something like that. I think they still have one of them. They but have anyway. a shooting ga- gallery of of sorts at Pixar Pier. Yes, yes. I'm a Disney nerd. What's around. <laughs> so now five. So for sixteen dollars, you have get into the park, but you have yep. five attractions with tour. You mm. can go see five rides mm. and have a tour of them. Like that's weird to me. Like, what does that mean? They give you a tour behind the scenes. Remember, they used to do the uh, the backlot tour at Hollywood Studios, but they quit yeah. that too. So I thought that was interesting. So yeah, eleven dollars. I did uh, an inflation calculator today. Eleven dollars would be forty nine dollars and fifty two cents, and tickets are way more than that. So Jeez. Disney prices have gone mm. up a lot higher. And a yeah. higher rate than inflation. Also, in my pricing guide is of the parking lot that was in front of the original Disneyland, which is now that parking lot is now California Adventure. Jeez. So there you go. Because yeah. I remember being in that parking lot, and as my mom and my brother and I were walking through the park, actually you could take a tram. Trams would drive around the parking lot. But I remember looking. My mom pointed back to the back part of the parking lot as we're heading towards the park. She says, look behind you. And in the distance, you can see the Anaheim Convention Center at that time. And she goes, that's where your dad is today. There's no way you could see that convention center today. That's true. So there you go. Look at that. Nice, man. Uh, well, you're, you've inspired me. I'm making my boobas bounty about Disney, too. Um, because oh, literally uh, earlier today, I finalized my plans. Um, so I'm, I'm in Las Vegas here for Air, uh, Air Force training. It's like uh, five weeks here for a while, and um, which is great. I, I enjoy it. Uh, it's it's uh, good times. Good times being had. Thank you, taxpayer dollars, for <laughs> funding our training. We're out in Las Vegas. It's kind of funny how that works. Uh, but uh, in doing so, I've kind of maximized my time. Last weekend, my first weekend here, I drove, rented a car, and drove out to visit uh, Bethany, my dear sister, who will be joining me at San Diego Comic Con. Which is what I'm doing next weekend, and the weekend after that, my girlfriend Savannah's coming in town, and Bethany's coming in town, and we're hanging out with our good friend Leslie, and all having a great time here. None of that has anything to do with Star Wars, but like, I only had one more weekend I'm here, and I'm like, come on, Riley, this is ridiculous. I'm spending too much money, I'm going to be exhausted, all the traveling, flying back and forth, long road trips... Then I realized I still have like the military ticket tickets are at at Disney are you you buy them three days at a time and they're so stupidly discounted that um I still like I used two and it was still saved money by using my first two over um like right after Memorial Day when we went out to Galaxy's Edge the first time but then I realized and I just did a little like Google Map search of the distance between Las Vegas and Anaheim Uh-oh. I was like. You know, it's only like, it's under five hours. It's less than a five-hour drive. I still yeah. have that one ticket I could I could just go to waste. It expires at the end of the year. And I was like, hey, Bethany, you want to call up a few lieutenant friends and see if we can rent an Airbnb and do a Saturday at Disney again? 
Uh, so that's what I'm doing. It's, and she said no. No, she said yes. What do you, <laughs> of course not. Of course we. Of course we're going. Um, <laughs> so that's there you what, go. Yeah, it's exactly just like a four or five hour drive there, and you'll be there once yeah. again. Once again, so you're going to do Disneyland again. So how many times have you done Disney this year? So I mean, here's <laughs> this is the this is the crazy thing. Are you ready? Uh, you're not going to believe yes. this, but basically it means we've done Disney. I uh, did Disney last december well, we went but then we went okay. uh, but then i we did a galaxy's edge uh is what i did back in june and then yeah. i'm going back again uh, now then i'm going to disney world uh probably for a day in september sometime after uh-huh. a galaxy's edge opens there and then i have the wine and dine half marathon and then i'll probably i'll probably do it again uh, in December, when, when Rise, of, Rise, of Rise of the Resistance. And wasn't it this year that, or was it this year or last year that we went, it was this year, we went in January to Disney World and we did the VR. Oh, no, 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 that was last year. That was last year. Was that last year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of Disney trips. It's a problem. That's right. It was last year. Yeah. If you want to. Which is so funny how years ago you were like, who would want to go to Disney? What That's a so waste. St- like, stupid. We're adults. We're not children. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then Teresa Delgado is like, look, I'm going to show you Disney and you'll change your mind. And you changed your mind. It's true. It's true. I can't argue with it. Hey, uh, coming up next, it's a musical about Star Wars. We're going to be talking to the creators of the hit off-Broadway show, a musical about Star Wars or why Star Wars is... (laughs) Off-Broadway! All right, uh, Bruce, we have right on the line uh, the creators of a musical about Star Wars. In fact, yeah. more specifically, why Star Wars is better than Star Trek. And uh, there's, a, there's a, well, there's a few more things to it than that. But I um, uh, want to bring in the creator, uh, Tom D'Angora. Did I get it right? Did I get it right? Did I get yeah, it right? close. It's uh, Tom D'Angora. D'Angora. Uh, I, I put too much emphasis. Dang it's it. All good. I screwed up already. Ah. Tom, it's all good. It's all good, man. Th- thanks for coming on the the Star Wars Report, and I know you have some of the some of the gang along with you. Do you mind yeah, doing introductions? Thank you so much for having us. Um, I'm Tom. Uh, I'm uh, the producer, director, and one of the writers of the show. And with us is our awesome composer Billy Reese. Hello, um, hello. So good to be here. Scott Richard Foster, who's one of the writers, and also hey. plays, also plays I play Scott. The role, the, I play the role of Scott. Believe it or not, yeah. <laughs> All right, then. And um, Taylor Krasor, who is a writer and plays the role of, you ready for this? Taylor. That's me. And it's actually just, um, it's called a Musical About Star Wars or Why Star Wars is the Greatest Thing to Happen in the History of the Galaxy Much, Much Better Than Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know how I messed it up. <laughs> I mean, it's so, it yeah. just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> I know. Well, Tom, what's the uh, what's the story behind how this thing became a thing? Um, well, uh, me, Scott, and Taylor uh, did a show together for many, many years called Musical the Musical, which is kind of like a Saturday Night Live set to music. And Scott wanted to do a Star Wars sketch in it. And I said, oh, I don't know. I don't think you think like the general public will go for it. And he was like, yeah, yeah. So he went and wrote a Star Wars rap um, about the Jedi clubs that meet at like the Marriott's and the Hilton's across America, and the number <laughs> killed. Every night, the audience would go crazy for it, and I said to the boys, 
we have to do a whole musical about this. And Scott said, oh, I told you so. <laughs> basically. That's basically how it happened. And we started writing it. And it honestly, within 10 months, we were in front of a New York audience. Jeez. Yeah. Is that an unusual turnaround? I don't know much about it, the theater world. Yes. It is, but, but the, the, story, the story writes itself. I mean, come on. It's all about how much we love Star Wars. Nah, yeah, and fair. the force is strong with us, so, <laughs> you know. Nice. Well, without yeah. spoiling it, what's the, um, what's, what's the premise? Uh, who wants to take it? I think we've heard my voice long <laughs> enough. Uh, I, I, I guess I'll answer. Um, this is Scott. <laughs> hey, uh, so, basically, me and Taylor uh, wrote the greatest story, or the greatest musical play, if you will, about Star Wars in the galaxy, and are looking to perform it at Comic-Con. We can't get to Comic-Con, but we hire a girl to be in it with us. An actual girl. girl. (laughs) Yeah, an actual girl. She's the only girl that showed up to the audition, so she got the part. And uh, she actually had sinister plans to uh, protest the show and protest uh, things that she thinks is misogynistic and sexist about Star Wars, and as she says, a little racist and a little homophobic. And so that we have to prove to her why it's not, and why it is truly the greatest thing to ever happen to the galaxy. So it's essentially, when you're watching it too, it's a, it's a show within a show. So we, yes. we start off and you're watching us kind of performing this bad Star Wars musical that Scott and I wrote. And we're in these, you know, glittery sequins outfits and it's just very over the top. Um, and then she breaks the fourth wall initially. Um, with the protest, with the protest. With the protest. Um, and so within that, though, we realize that we want to keep doing this. So on stage, we strike a deal with her where basically we say, you know, you have to stay in the show for the rest of the night and let us convince you that Star Wars is the greatest thing in the galaxy. If not, we'll, we'll stop the show. So it's, those are the confines of it so that there is an importance for us to do this by the end of the evening. And then it allows us the freedom the rest of the night to be ourselves and do all these fun Star Wars sketches that we wrote and these awesome Star Wars songs that Billy wrote. Uh, and that's kind of just how the rest of the show unfolds. Yeah, it's super, it's really funny. Um, it really celebrates fandom because it's, it's, it's by and for fans. Um, spoiler alert, Star Wars comes out on top, of course. <laughs> yeah, goes on. And um, it's, you know, it's, it really, it's been an amazing uh, four months of doing the show. And what's been the most gratifying is we've had so many fans that said, well, I didn't really want to come. I didn't think, you know, someone could do a show like this right. But, wow, you got everything. Because we touch on mm. almost literally everything. Yeah. Uh, you, get a, you, get a, you get a little, a little snippet of the entire canon. And there's, and there's like, like a thousand Easter eggs in there for the truth like Star Wars fans, oh, uh, yeah. if you want to call them, uh, that, that only they will get, you know. But then there's a ton of humor that everybody will get, even if you've only seen A New Hope or only seen uh, the new movies, whatever. It's an interesting, Is it was it strange to approach this in a time where Star Wars has come back? And then I, I, it's interesting because as a franchise, it's faced a lot of the debates inside fandoms as people who've been podcasting about it a, a long time. It, these sort of discussions and these protestations that are that kind of bring up the show within the show are conversations and debates that are playing out right now about like the current state of the franchise and how like you rectify the way the world looks socially in 1977 versus the way it looks now as Disney's making these movies. Well, that's absolutely. What's so, 
that's what's so interesting about it. You know, I have a a big old liberal political background, mm-hmm. and but I was born in 1979, so my whole childhood was Star Wars, and so it also I started asking the question. Well, I mean, is there representation in the franchise and whatnot? And what I think is actually very interesting, and what what we discover in the musical, and what we what we tell Emily is basically if you go through the whole journey, it's just like the journey of progressive society. Mm. Star Wars has evolved the exact same way society has, where you know it's come a long way, baby. Yeah. And, and, and have- that's uh, Taylor and Scott actually the same. We evolved throughout the show as well. Mm-hmm. We start off. We start off on the perspective of. She says it's sexist. We're like, what are you talking about? We have no idea what you're talking about. Right. And then we see her perspective, and then we kind of prove to her and ourselves uh, that it's it's evolved past that. Yeah. With an amazing production number involving a Laura Dern cutout. Not to exactly. give it away. <laughs> no way. You're giving all the spoilers. Oh, wow. <laughs> we have Laura Dern in our show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have we have to pay her every night. She yeah. really ups the budget. Yeah. She's giving the she's giving the stiffest performance of her career. Oh, hey. Get a cardboard cutout. You know, it's interesting. Something Tom was talking about earlier. The, the show. I mean, it it really is a fandom show because I think one thing that, I, what thing I think that turns people off is that they think they're coming to see a parody a lot of the times, and it's not. I mean, it is. It's an original show. It's an original idea, and we really are celebrating like being fans and so the way we even wrote it was i mean my perspective scott's perspective and then tom's perspective and basically emily's character is tom and his yeah. perspective and the so girl you, character it, is based on me yeah <laughs> so you get you also get three different perspectives from three different generations so like i i reference myself as a millennial falcon and scott is a gen x-winger and and what it was like to grow up with um, the re-releases. Um, and I think that's done something cool with our audiences too of getting different generations in because honestly, kids love this show. Kids, kids yeah. love yeah. more than we it's thought. We Yeah, we had to do a lot of rewrites yeah. during previews because the kids were loving it. And it's actually really cool. We, ha- we uh, had a fabulous sold out show last night at our new theater on West 46th Street, the St. Luke's Theater, because we were at the Kirk Theater and we couldn't do a Star Wars show at a theater named after Captain Kirk, so we clearly had to move to a theater named after St. Luke Skywalker, clearly. <laughs> but um, the last night in our new space, um, literally two rows in front of where I was, there was a grandkid, group of parents, and a group of uh, young kids. Just It was just three generations having this amazing experience over their shared love of something that has been going on for 40 years. And it's, a, it's really awesome to see. And it's just, um, you know, common ground like that. And the fact well, that the fandom reaches so far. And, and a perfect example is we have a moment in the show when, uh, when I say, when I call it out and I say, nobody loved the prequels. And Taylor, of course, is, as he said, a millennial Falcon who says, oh, "That's I love the prequels. I say, no, no, nobody does. Well, last night, when he says, that's not true, uh, many millennial Falcons, like myself, love the prequels. And like a few people from the audience applauded, like, they're like me too. <laughs> and then I said, I said, no, Gen X-wingers like myself did not. And then I had a few people applaud. So the people are getting into that rivalry of which is better, 
you know, which did you start on? What are you loyal to? You know, and, and it's just, it's a lot of fun to see the different, as Taylor put it, generations, although I'm, I'm not that old, um, the gen- different generations of Star Wars. And now, as Tom said, a, a brand new generation with the kids and, you know, yeah. the kids, uh, force, force uh, calling the brooms and sweeping and stuff. Well, oh, and beyond I, that, we have, absolutely. you know, people coming in who, who are not Star Wars fans at all, who are fans of musical theater, too, who are coming in. And then we're sort of bridging that gap. And we have people who are coming in who, who love musicals but have never seen a Star Wars movie leaving saying, well, shit, I guess I got to see these Star Wars movies now. You Which know? I think means we've done our job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, speaking about last night's show in particular, we had um, friends of Peter Mayhew's there last night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, no way. And, oh, it was amazing. Because um, actually, we were at the show Saturday night. There was a blackout in the city. So mm-hmm. there were, like, no shows. Hello? Wow. Nope. Sorry, we lost you there, but there were some blackouts. Oh, yeah. I guess there was a, a blackout on my computer, <laughs> I know, right? yeah, I know. Uh, Taylor just had a blackout. I just had a full blackout. Where am I? It's Taylor. like we're there. I can feel yeah. it. <laughs> so anyways, Peter Mayhew's friends had come that night. We spoke with them a little bit. They came to the show last night. They came back and saw it. Um, and we do a little tribute to Peter. Uh, yeah, actually, it's really, you know what? Scott wrote a, a really touching uh, poem for Peter that he recites in the show and did, yeah. it was yeah. really beautiful to do it for you know peter's personal friends last night oh. i bet scott would do a little snippet of it would you like to hear that that'd be great Ooh, yeah. yeah uh all right no let, pressure, let me, Scott. Just, no 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 that's fine let, I, I i'm on my laptop let me because i i haven't warmed up tonight so i'm just bringing up the the, yeah. uh, the lyrics of the poem no worries mm-hmm. and why you do because it's funny because um like um peter mayhew is someone i got to know because i've done um like hosting and stuff at Dragon Con down in Atlanta, and he's yeah. been, and he's been uh, a regular there for a few years. So it was kind of it was uh, very personal, and and that's how it was throughout a lot of the Star Wars community because he was such a fig, uh, figure on the convention sure. circuit. Um, like a lot of fans actually knew him personally, not just knew him as yeah. Chewbacca. Well, like li- literally, like it was that day that he passed away that we we came to the theater and said we have to do something. What are we gonna, yeah, yeah, like we have to. So like, not even so sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this and is, this is what we came up with. Um, it's a it's poem. Called, uh, it's called uh, "Ode to Peter," and it's by Scott Richard Foster. So it goes like this. <laughs> I think it's That's beautiful. It. <laughs> yeah, it's, cool. it's a haiku. Oh, that was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Haiku, yeah. How did you know? There were some. There's some real layers yeah. to it too. Mm-hmm. It's um. Well, yeah. I, you know, I I did an old version. We've updated it since then, but uh, right. those were the old lyrics. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it sounds more Swedish now. <laughs> but truly, I just that's love how it rhymes. Love. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just like how it rhyming. Yeah. Yeah. The internal. that's what we love about the show, though, is that it. it changes every week you know anytime you know we when the trailer came out we added a, a new section about that so so people can come to the show once and then come back a couple months later and it'll be a totally different show nice yeah, absolutely nice well are, are you guys so how long is uh how long is it available how long is the run oh we're gonna run forever <laughs> well i don't know you know i'm not good at closing shows uh I, we just closed the show. <laughs> 
two weeks ago that ran 10 years. That was the fifth longest running musical in uh, New York history, uh, off-Broadway history. Um, I have another show that's been running seven years. So, I, you know, I like to keep them open. Yeah. Well, it's not like there's a not a big Star Wars thing coming up on the horizon that might keep people interested. It's exactly. yeah, it's a shame there's no new material to work with. <laughs> we are like chomping at the bit to write a new thing for for the new movie. Yeah. No, that'll be fun. I well, and I'm hoping and that that gives me hope because um I'll probably be up in New York uh if if not for New York Comic Con um early next year sometime. So, if it's still running, Brilliant. I want I want to make it. Yeah, you have it's it's super fun. Like I would tell you if it was bad. I will afterwards. I'll tell you everything I've ever produced that was awful. <laughs> yeah, and, and they'll tell you. I openly will say it's awful while we're doing it. If it is, <laughs> this is rad. Nice. This shows this show is exactly what it needs to be. Um, and like I said, the hard part is getting the fans in the door because they don't believe they don't they not necessarily believing that we're with them. And then they leave our best friends. That's awesome. You know, yeah. Yeah, pe- people don't always believe that we are actual Star Wars fans. They think that we we just you know wanted to cash in. It really truly is a show made out of love for Star Wars. And that's why it was able to. That's why it came together so quickly. Because mm-hmm. we had so much. It was so much fun doing it. Billy wrote the score in I think two months. Yeah, it was two months. You know, I I I wrote my like college essay on Revenge of the Sith, and and so I I had been. Uh, a super fan for years as well. So again, it was just coming together and geeking out. Mm. That, I, was, yeah. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. I well, and I, I I really wish. Is there anywhere where people can actually hear the some of the music you wrote, Billy? By any well, chance? We are working. Cast yeah. recording so soon, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. See. Yeah. Ooh, shoot us an email when you do, because when I read yeah. <clears throat> when I read titles like the X Wing Effect. The Lucas Orchi. <laughs> you know, I kind of want to hear what you guys have. Well, oh, absolutely. So the X-Wing effect is, um, I think, a theory that you have to agree with as a fan. Right, guys? Yeah. Um, so oh, the, totally. the X-Wing effect is a song um, where we're telling Emily, basically, it's like the butterfly effect, only more rad, where the X-Wing effect is basically everything good that's happened since 1977 in all of society can be traced back to Star Wars. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. And I, I think we prove it in the song. I think we do too. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I'm uh, looking at uh, yeah. I'm looking at the playbill here and I know it's you guys it's it's ongoing and you get and you can get tickets there as as well. So we'll have the link to that in the in the show. But guys, this is this is awesome. Well, can I ask like more, a more general Star Wars question for yep. you guys? Because we have a lot, like, a, um, a lot of different generations here. Maybe just mm, go down the sure. line. Um, and I wanted to ask you, like, what if if you have it? And, and I know for me, there's a, a few moments watching Star Wars movies the first time that um, that you remember at, maybe as a kid vividly a moment that really just sold you on like, oh, this is amazing. I'm a Star Wars fan. Oh, well, yeah. I, I can I can just talk about that because that's what I talked about in my college essay. Um, yeah. I I'm I'm the youngest in the group, and um, I was taken out of school early in third grade uh, to go see the premiere date of Revenge of the Sith. Um, I had never seen a single Star Wars movie beforehand, but my dad was a super fan. Um, and going there and seeing everybody dressed up in costume and everything, it was sort of my first time uh, feeling like a member of, of a community, you know? 
And again, I had real, really like no idea what was going on because I'd never seen anything beforehand. I was eight and, you know, um, but that turned me on and, and me and my dad went home and we watched all the rest of them. And, and you know, it, it was that moment that turned me into a fan. That's awesome. I, I, I still remember uh, the first time I, I saw Revenge of the Sith so vividly. Uh, yeah yeah it's it's such well although a dark way to start the star wars saga it truly is (laughs) but i was into it i was a a messed up kid i guess but i was totally into it yeah tom well i i'm in the i don't know well if i'm in the minority or not but my favorite film is return of the jedi but it was the one i was the first one i was old enough to see in the movie theater i was already a fan but um that's when i became obsessed with seeing it with a theater full of other kids and other people. And um, when Luke took Vader, Anakin's uh, mask off, that moment like sealed the entire, I was five, but I somehow understood what an emotional arc of a trilogy was at that point. Yeah. It like, it like shaped me as a fan and as, you know, a future um, writer, artist, whatever. It was just the most powerful moment. Um, you know, in a more superficial way as a five-year-old, I was obsessed with the Ewoks <laughs> and then would be like, was Listen. obsessed with Return to Endor. Oh, really? They're adorable. They are adorable. Yeah. Well, and, let's, and they eat people. Most tragic death scene in cinematic history Oh, it's Ewok it's, number three. Uh, yeah. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, yeah. Devastating. Mm. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I'm actually in the same boat as Tom. This is Scott. I'm in the same boat as Tom. I, I was from that generation, and that was the first. Return of the Jedi was the first film that I got to see in the movie, so that's definitely my favorite. Mm. I, I think I think Empire is probably the best, but I, but um, Return of the Jedi is my favorite, uh, and for me, it's that it's the moment when Vader says, "If you will not be turned to the dark side, then perhaps she will," and he goes, "No." And that, that music and the profile scroll of them, you know, Luke going at it at, at Vader and with the lightsaber. It's the first time I saw Luke really, really kicking ass with a lightsaber. Yeah. And, like, I, I mean, I, maybe I'm 43 now, but I, I still, like, tear up a little bit when I see that because it just it takes me back to my childhood every single time I see that. It's so awesome. Well, I think for like us, like for our generation, it was the it was the first time you really saw magic. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like that and ET are forever, like the 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 beginning of magic. You know, and and my my kids, I have two kids, and they they will always make fun of me because I, I have to have everything quiet when a Star Wars movie starts because that moment of silence when it says you know galaxy far yes, far away. Yes. That moment of silence right before the the, the logo pops up and, and John Williams' music begins is epic every single I, time to me. Oh, I literally just got goosebumps when you said it. Like, that's how epic it is. Yeah, yeah. That's Taylor. That's, that's, yeah, I was going to say Taylor. Same thing. Um, yeah, for me, it's a little more of a... Um, I guess... Because when I was a kid, my favorite movie was Empire Strikes Back, but it was more kind of a general experience that I had with my dad, I think, um, as I look back on it all. it's My dad had, he gave me all of his original Kenner action figures, and so I played with all of those, along with all the action figures I got from the 90s after uh, the re-releases came out, and then as the prequels were coming out. Um, 
But for me, what was amazing was my dad getting just as excited as I was and us going to one, two, and three mm-hmm. on those opening nights. Because it was one thing, because I had seen four, five, and six at home a million times. Um, but it became this special uh, event for the two of us to, you know, he would get our tickets so in advance and we get there and you're waiting in line. And I remember one, I think it was for Attack of the Clones. But, I mean, we couldn't even get into the theater because there were very specific seats that my dad was like, we have to sit right in this row, right in the middle because <laughs> they were already seated. We waited for the next showing. <laughs> um, but it was, I think it's just that special. Uh, that's what I remember vividly is, is just those nights of us going and seeing those together and having that shared experience. Um, so yeah, so for me, as I was younger, it was it was just having that shared experience with with family. You know, nice. What yeah. about what, what was yours? It's funny because uh, I was thinking about it, and I and I put a lot of thought into it. But honestly, Taylor, you kind of reminded me um, because for me, growing up watching the Star Wars movies was an event because I'm the youngest of six siblings. So there's a bunch of us, <laughs> and all of my older siblings love Star Wars. And I wasn't allowed to watch it until I could appreciate it, because both of my parents were very much into <laughs> awesome. it. And They're good, good sibling. Uh, and so, exactly. So I was like, uh, I would, I wanted to see. I was like begging to see the movies by the time I was, quote unquote, allowed to see it. But it created this kind of anticipation that, um, that I, uh, that I really enjoyed, and I'll never forget. Um, I told the story before on the podcast, but it's been years, uh, and I'd totally forgotten about it until just now. But I will never forget watching Empire Strikes Back, but my dad was coming back late from work, and he was going to watch it. It's like this family ordeal. Everyone had to like clear their schedules, and it was gonna, we were putting it on the TV um, for the evening. But he got back from work kind of late, and so it was getting past our bedtime. And so right before we were about to start... Uh, Empire Strikes Back. He looks at us, uh, me and my my sister. She's about a year older than me. We hadn't seen it yet. And he said, all right, so do you guys want um, to experience instant gratification or delayed gratification? (laughs) And we both said, instant, instant. And so he's like, okay. So he started the movie and rolled through the entire Hoth battle right to the asteroid chase, right as the Millennium Millennium Falcon does the freaking cool spinny spin spin as the the two Star Destroyers nearly crash into each other, and then he pauses it. (laughs) We're finishing it tomorrow. Oh, oh my! Oh, that's cool. And I just that have that cruel. vivid memory of like, um, of like, no. So I, I, and it was the first time we saw it too. Um, oh. So yeah, I'll never forget. At least he gave you the option. He gave you the option. You know, I mean, if nothing else, it's exactly like my dad. It was taking the opportunity to have an object lesson inside of a Star <laughs> Wars movie. Um, it's still worth it. Uh, don't regret it one second, uh, Bruce. Well, yeah, because I guess I'm the old guy because I saw the first Star Wars movie when it premiered in 77. I was nine years old. So what blew me away was the first, like, whatever, two minutes, Mm. (laughs) you know? I mean, just starting off. Like, my dad, my parents went to see it on a date night, and they came home. I never heard of it. And my dad's like, you know, there's this movie that came out that your mother and I saw. I think you'd like it. It has a gold robot man in it. (laughs) That's all I knew going in. Oh, it's about a gold robot man. (laughs) That's amazing. And the rest is history. And the rest is indeed history. The play is called, and I've got it now, a musical about Star Wars or how or why Star Wars is the greatest thing in the galaxy. The greatest thing to ever happen in the history of the galaxy. Much, much better than Star Trek. Much, much better. Mm. Much better. Yes. I heard one of you guys say that's debatable earlier. Uh, I 
I don't mind debating that at all. Mm. I, I said that. This nope, is Bruce. I said Bruce. that because I also do Star Trek podcasts. So live uh, long and prosper. So next year when we write the reverse. Correct. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Legally, <laughs> say that. Yeah, I mean, in, in, all, in, all, in all honesty, I got nothing against Star Trek. But, yes, you know, it, it was, just was like amping it up for, you know, for us as, as our character. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Well, and I know we can find you can find more info on a musical uh, a musical about Star Wars dot com, and mm-hmm. that's where you guys have like the list of the tickets and everything. Any um, final parting thoughts, guys? Anything uh, you'd like to plug or uh, mention? I know I'm sure if, if you're in New York and listening to this podcast and haven't seen it, go and see it. Yes, come see us. We um, yeah. there's the show you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, gentlemen. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. Thank absolutely, you. absolutely. You guys are a blast. It's it's well, fun. We'll have to do it again when the CD comes out. I gotta say, yes. it's fun but doing podcasts. Well, whatever the kids call it now. <laughs> I know when the records. <laughs> were we're definitely coming to one of the shows for sure. We yes. definitely want to. Let me know. Yes. We'll give you the royal treatment, and then we'll we'll go out afterwards and nerd out. Mm-hmm. Sounds sounds like a plan, gentlemen. Thanks so much. It's always it's fun to interview and have guests on the podcast that are entertainers. Um, so it's, it's always a good time. So yeah, we should do it. It's you. nice to be called entertainers. <laughs> yeah, right. We've been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thanks so much. Thank All right, so have a good one. Guys. Bye. Thanks, guys. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Star Wars Report podcast. Uh, man, that was a lot of fun, Bruce. It was folks. a great time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, definitely check and it I'm out. And I'm going to go see that show for, for sure. sure. Same. Uh, if, if they're still running next year when I go, I'm, I'm, I am there. Um, hey, check it out. A musical about Star Wars.com. Get your tickets if you're in the New York area. Definitely do it. And, uh, and hey, let them know if you go to the show that uh, you heard about on the Star Wars Report podcast. It's obviously, it's something that has, it seems to be making the rounds in the sort of New York theater circle, but in the, as you talked about, Bruce, you hadn't heard about it. I hadn't, so I'm excited that yeah. this kind of thing's happening and that we could shine a little bit of a light on it, hopefully. So, uh, the, again, great time. Thanks, guys, for coming on. And we'll have the links to everything we talked about in the show notes for today. Make sure you check those out at StarWarsReport.com. That's your home for all things Star Wars Report. Stay in touch between shows. Best way to do that is through our Patreon, patreon.com slash Report for our weekly bonus podcast, Rogue Transmissions. Check it out available there, and we do thank everyone supporting us patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. You can follow us on social media at Star Wars Report. Super easy. Just at Star Wars Report wherever you follow social accounts. I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Riley Guy. That's the best way to keep up with me, especially as I'm heading to San Diego Comic Con this weekend. I'll be posting all kinds of things from at the Riley Guy. Bruce, what are you up to? Where would you like to send folks? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the little underline and then Rex and, uh, you know, uh, you know, a Star Trek podcast on Trek FM. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that tonight. No, <laughs> no, not, not tonight. Oh, man. Yeah. No, seriously, guys. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in. If you enjoy the Star Wars report, make sure you share it with a friend of yours. So anyone who you know who's into Star Wars, let them know about the Star Wars report podcast. And you can also do that right at starwarsreport.com slash iTunes or just whatever podcast app you're listening to. Leave us a rating and review. It's really easy, especially on like the Apple Podcast app. You just go in right there right now. Leave us a star rating and review. We do appreciate it. Until next time, may the Force be with you. And remember, many Bothans died to bring you this podcast.
Star Tours. Bye bye. Off Broadway. It's a musical about Star Wars. I'm sweating just hearing that. <laughs> You know who loves me? The the people in the hotel room next to us. <laughs> hey, that's Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. All right, man, I'll let you go. Thanks so much. I appreciate it.